Hello, and welcome to the Libraries Out Loud short podcast series called Brought to You By. I'm Brian Sajeki, a student support and engagement librarian at the University of Buffalo, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today we present to you, Leslie Feldball. Hi, Leslie. Thanks for agreeing to meet with me today. How's it going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing just fine. Uh, so I've got some questions for you for the Behind the Scenes series. Um, so thanks for meeting, and we'll just get started. Where are you from, and what did you study in college? I am from Buffalo. Grew up in North Buffalo. Um, I went to UB for college. I studied classics and archaeology. Interesting. How did that get you into librarianship? That's a good question. I feel like I came to librarianship kind of by a circuitous path, but a lot of people do. Um, I had started a PhD in archaeology at the University of Toronto, and I had been there about a semester when I realized I didn't really want to do a PhD in classics, um, but I had been spending so much time in the library and really connecting with the librarians there and thinking, like, I didn't really ever think of this as a career. So I started doing some research, realized that University of Buffalo had a library science master's program. I ended up leaving my program at University of Toronto the following year, coming back here and starting my MLS. You know, that story is not very dissimilar from a lot of other people, especially our colleagues, um, present company included. So yeah, that's, that's not to be surprised. So how long have you been at the UB Libraries? And currently, what is your position? So I've been here almost six years, which seems pretty wild. Um, and I've been through a couple of positions here. My title's changed a few times. I'm presently the cataloging and metadata for discovery and the poetry collection, kind of straddling both departments. Um, so basically, I catalog materials for every collection within the university libraries except for law but I have a heavy emphasis on poetry collection materials. So do you have a passion for poetry then? <laughs> um, my work with poetry really was kind of like getting thrown into the deep end. We have such a robust poetics program and the collection is really one of a kind. Um, you know, it's the collection of record for Anglophone poetry of the 20th and 21st century. And it's the only collection within the UB libraries that is actively growing as a print collection. Um, so I have learned more about poetics than I ever could have imagined since I started working there. Um, it's a really cool discipline to work with. The materials tend to be really unique. Um, a lot of zines, a lot of chapbooks, broadsides, objects, art pieces that you just don't get anywhere else. It's incredibly interesting. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it sounds it. So you said you're between two departments then. Where exactly do you work? I am fully hidden in almost every situation. I'm in CTS, so on the first floor of Lockwood. Um, I'm on the floor, but I'm in a cube behind a wall of plants that yes. I've created for myself. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm kind of the first line of sight that people see when they come in from the loading dock in CTS. So in order to kind of protect my sanity a little, I've erected a little jungle in front of me and then I keep my computer monitors up really high. Not that I don't want people to come and see me, but um, anybody who wanders in who's like looking for, you know, to make a delivery or looking for another person sees me and just kind of flags me down. And if I'm in a meeting or on a Zoom call or something, it can be challenging. I understand that. 
But then in the poetry collection, I also have a, a space over there. And um, if you've never been to special collections, you have to go through many, many interior doors to get to the workroom in the poetry collection. So I'm not exactly easy to find, but I'm like kind of hiding in plain sight. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So typically, I'm assuming that your work days are going to kind of be different depending on where you are. Um, but could you describe a typical work day um, in its most typical form for you? That's a tough one. Um, I don't know. It, it's always different. It's always something. Um, in an ideal world, I, when I'm in Lockwood, I'm cataloging new materials that come in for primarily Lockwood health sciences and architecture and planning. Um, when I'm in the poetry collection, we have a humongous backlog. So we've been working through a backlog that has really grown due to renovations that happened back in like 2017, I believe. They were re, um, reworking the fire, what is it? The, the fire protection system, essentially, um, and doing some maintenance in the stacks there. And um, the backlog grew during that time because the collection wasn't really accessible. And then COVID, the backlog continued to kind of grow. Um, so we have no shortage of backlog materials and gift materials in that collection. Um, but then, you know, on a random day, I'm also kind of figuring out what to do with all the mail that comes into Lockwood. We've been training new staff. Um, there's been some staff turnover. So there's been a lot of kind of like showing people the ropes, which has been great because that eventually means we are going to be up and running with lots of help. And are, we're getting to that point. Um, it's just been in flux a lot since the pandemic started and we came back. So my work days used to be a lot more like cut and dried, but now they're very um, like, oh, what's today going to bring? Um, and then on top of that, part of my job is to kind of work with the cataloging team to troubleshoot things in Alma, which is our LSP. And um, there's almost never a dull moment with that. So Yeah, yeah. I, I can... I can understand that fully. So it sounds like you're kind of thinking on your feet a lot and it really just depends on the day. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. So you do a lot, I can already tell. <laughs> Why do you think your job is important to how the UB libraries function? Oh. So if you weren't there, what would happen? Oh gosh, I don't know. We're, we have so many materials in need of cataloging um, and we have, a much more robust cataloging staff than probably any other SUNY school, but we still have, I mean, we're, we're the largest, we're flagship, so we have the volume to, to match that. So um, cataloging itself would definitely take a hit. Um, and I don't know, um, I'm pretty active on the Alma side of things. So I try to stay connected with um, our network zone coordinator at SUNY to troubleshoot a lot of our issues. And we have a lot of issues mm -hmm. um, in a good way, though, because we're so big, we tend to have a lot of problems and spot a lot of problems that other people have, but we spot them first. So we can kind of um, kind of get to the bottom of quirky things that then benefit everybody else within the SUNY system because we're all using the same library services platform. Um, so we do a lot of that. I'm the um, co-chair of the Alma Primo Executive Oversight Committee. So we do a lot of kind of like maintaining our LSP and all of the 
you know, the, the things that the LSP touches, which is every part of the libraries from acquisitions all the way to patron, patrons and users and cataloging and you name it, it's in Alma. Um, so we do a lot of that. And I'd like to think that I bring a little bit of knowledge to that that, you know, is helpful to people that if I weren't here, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure someone else would, you know, step into that role. But um, I do a lot of that. So... Good. Well, don't disappear now. Uh, it sounds like we really need you. <laughs> I, I have no. Pl I mean, I have no no plans to disappear. But I also depend so heavily on all of my other tech services colleagues for help with oh, this stuff sure. too, because yeah. it's such an integrated system. I don't know what I would do without um, the the people in the other areas that also work with Alma. It's mm -hmm. it's a super integrated system. Yeah, it's quite robust too. So, are there any projects that you've been a part of that you take great pride in? Yeah. Um, so I am the chair of the SUNY Metadata Standards and Policy Working Group, which has been active since before Go Live um, with Alma, which happened in 2019. Um, I haven't been the chair for that long. I, um, I joined shortly after Go Live as a member. Um, but right around the time I um, joined, we started having conversations about um, problematic subject headings in the Library of Congress. Um, and for, you know, if you're not really sure of the conversations that have been happening very recently, um, it's been really interesting because the Library of Congress is finally moving in the direction of changing some of these problematic subject headings. Um, an example would be illegal immigration or um, illegal immigrants um, is changing, has changed, I believe, to undocumented. Okay. Um, and that was a big thing um, before the, the Library of Congress was able to make this change. Um, libraries and consortia were doing this locally. They were endeavoring to make this change locally so that our catalog reflected the vernacular and the vocabulary that we, we thought our users would be looking for and be utilizing. Um, and so I've worked with librarians across SUNY to implement that within the SUNY system. We took that initiative before Library of Congress started making these changes. Um, we've called it the Change the Subject Project. And um, it was really rewarding and it opened my, me and my colleagues up to conversations about the language of Library of Congress subject headings in ways that I like, hadn't thought about before. Mm -hmm. And now that there's actually um, kind of changes being made, we can adapt to it as well and we you know, we always try to think about how are we best serving our users who are using the catalog. There will still be people who search illegal immigrant in the catalog. Um, we don't want to exclude search terms, but we also don't want to um, like rely on problematic terminology. So before the change was made by Library of Congress and that was reflected in the WorldCat records, we made it possible to search for both of those things and still get the results. So mm -hmm. what you'd see would be undocumented immigrant, but if you plugged in that search term, illegal immigrant, you would still get what you were looking for. Um, so it wasn't really a, I guess, it wasn't a prescriptive change, I guess, and maybe I'm not using that correctly, more of a descriptive change. Mm -hmm. So we were just allowing people to get what they were looking for, but kind of using the less problematic language in the hopes that we could start to make that change. And sure enough, now it's happening. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been really great. 
Well, it, users are always the focal point. How are you going to access information? Exactly. And changing something, regardless of problematic or not, it, it the access point is always going to be difficult to find. So you have to do your best to remedy the solution, to find a solution that's going to be best for the users, and that can be difficult. And we're still seeing it. I mean, it's very thorny because now that I'm thinking of it, the word that we found problematic at the time was alien. Mm -hmm. um, so illegal alien. But alien is still a legal term and is um, part of legal jargon. And so there's a whole host of things that haven't been changed. Illegal alien might have been changed to undocumented immigrant, but there's still education of aliens, property of aliens, um, you know, all within the legal realm. And so there's conversations around how these are going to be approached because when they still exist in legal terminology, you know, there, there will be people searching for them for, you know, I'm saying with air quotes, like valid reasons, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a thorny issue and it requires a lot of, um, you know, contemplation, conversations. Um, it's not something with an easy fix. Oh, yeah, it doesn't sound it. No, so, <laughs> not no. at all. No, not at all. All right, so now that everybody here that's listening knows a little about you, what's your favorite part of being a librarian and or working at UB? So you can answer both of those or one or the other. That's your choice. You know, I've never really been a librarian anywhere else. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I've worked in library adjacent positions before I came here um, between finishing my MLS and, and coming here. But um, it's been really cool to work here because um, I just feel like it has a lot of resources that maybe smaller institutions wouldn't have access to, a lot of professional development. Um, and then I've also been pushing myself to take advantage of some of the UUP benefits. I've been taking classes. Oh, wow. So um, I try to get the most out of it. Um, yeah. yeah. As you should. Yeah. Very cool. All right, so outside of work, what kind of hobbies or interests do you have? Um, well, um, I'm taking classes in computer science, so okay. I'm getting into that. Um, and then I like to hike. I'm slowly chipping away at the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks. Oh, wow. Um, so I, I get excited for that, looking forward to every summer and fall to get as much hiking in as I can. Um, I like to ski. Um, I'm a little bit nerdy about weightlifting and exercise, so um, thanks to the pandemic, I canceled all my gym memberships and got a barbell and a bunch of free weights from my basement, and mm -hmm. that's been fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like to slow down, but when I do, I read a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I read a lot all the time, but and I knit sometimes when I can make myself sit for longer periods of time. <laughs> It's but, difficult. I know it's difficult to just sit still. Yeah, I like to go. Yeah. Just keep going and going. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I like to hike. I like to ski. I don't like to sit. <laughs> Understood. All right, last question here. If there was one thing that you think you couldn't live without at all, what would it be? Uh, I thought about this, and I don't know what, I really don't know what it would be, but like, it might be if you told me I couldn't go hiking anymore. Mm -hmm. I'd really have a hard time with it because like I spend all winter thinking about all the hikes I want to do in the <laughs> summer. 
<laughs> so you're like longing and lusting after it and all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah, yeah. If you told me, no, you can't do that. Um, I also really like plants as, and you feed my plant addiction. I know, you're I do. partially responsible for my wall of and there, plants. And there are more coming too, so. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, if you told me I couldn't have plants, that would that would be such a bummer. The fact that you have such an, a vast array of plants where there's a decent amount of natural light, but not the best, you still have a really good situation and you've made the, the best out of where you're located. Plants do really well in Lockwood. I know. I don't know what it is. The combination of those those overhead lights and those high windows, mm -hmm. they thrive there. I wish my plants at home were that happy. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for meeting with me today. It was really nice to have a conversation with you. And I hope that everybody listening um, really, really feels like they know you a little bit better now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Awesome. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to this brought to you by Short, presented by the University of Buffalo Libraries Out Loud podcast series. Stay tuned for our next episode coming soon.